Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of love, family, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am thrilled to introduce today's spectacular guest, Christopher Robbins, who will be talking with us about Familius's 10 Habits of Healthy Families. And of course, Christopher is the founder of Familius Publishing. Welcome to the podcast, Christopher. Well, thanks, Carla. It might be disappointing for people to hear that you're going to be talking to Christopher Robbins and not, you know, be speaking about all the other characters like Piglet and Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, but it's uh, it's a, it's a joy to do. And I get that a lot. I get, my name gets uh, thrown around like that. It's a good name to have in the book world. It is. It is a good name. I remember when I, before I even met you and heard your name, of course, visions of Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh, the whole crew, like they come Tigger, they all come trotting through my mind. So it is a good name to have. Lots of joy in that name. So 10 habits of happy families. I do have to say that in the podcast interviews I've done, I have really noticed how important these 10 habits are and how much they weave their way through the podcasts and the lives of the various people I've interviewed. So tell me where the 10 habits came from. Yeah. So I I was influenced by my grandfather who was born in 1888 and he was 82 years old when I was born and he and I became best friends and he, he was just a great educator. And uh, he taught me this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is uh, so a thought and you reap an action. So an act and you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. And it really helped me frame what he was trying to communicate to me about my life is, you know, you're going to, you're going to reap what you sow and it's, you know, thoughts, actions, behavior, developing mm-hmm. habits, character. And so when we, when we launched Familius, our whole goal was to help families be happy. So the mission of the company is it's Familius helping families be happy. And how do we do well? We do that through primarily the books that we publish with our podcast, which we're doing right now with our, Habit Hub, which is uh, the articles that that align with the Ten Habits of Happy Families. We have our YouTube channel. We have a number of different ways that we we try to communicate this idea. You know, because no family has ever said to me, "I don't want to be happy." You know, every, everybody wants to be happy, and and you're not going to be happy 100 percent of the time. We should start this podcast by making sure people understand that there's oppositional things. I mean, you can't be mm-hmm. happy without understanding sadness, right? You know, there's and so. It, it, there's ups and downs, but it, you can still have joy, even though there are moments of, of great sadness. So where do the habits come from? And why do they come from? So, you know, we, we just thought, what does a family need? And uh, we try to kind of think, you know, in, if you look at a family and the things that they go through, you know, they eat together, they play together, they learn together, they work together. They need to love, they, you know, they, they, they should laugh. And, and we, we started to frame this around these oh, 10 habits. And really it was, it was nine 
at the first. And then in December of 2020, I, you know, I, I can get the blues too. You know, you, you work hard and you're in the midst of a pandemic and an economic mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was, you know, it was, it was pre-Christmas, pre-holidays and I'm, and I'm just feeling down. I just, oh, I'm so frustrated. And, uh, and I noticed, I realized that the, the moments that I was actually helping someone else, whether it was a, a service activity with my faith or helping a neighbor or, you know, just going outside to try to do something to help somebody else is when I felt better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wrote the team and I said, you know, it's not just the season. I said, we have to add a 10th habit. The 10th habit is give together. Because giving as a family will really strengthen that family when they look outside themselves. So and that's kind of the genesis of these guys. It wasn't just one, you know, inspired moment. It, it, it's a lifetime of thinking about family and working with the company and then coming up with what we thought would be a good framework. I love that. And I love the backstory. And I love the addition of that last habit, that it's 10 habits. and It's interesting because there's recent research, and of course, we don't always need research to know what our heart knows, that depression and anxiety tend to be reduced when we volunteer, when we give. And I love how you said that it takes us outside of ourselves, outside of our box. And sometimes I think that when I know when I volunteer, sometimes I get more out of it. It almost feels like a trick, right? Like, how can I be getting so much out of this volunteer effort when I'm supposed to just be doing good, but why does it feel so good? And so I can see that that's a really, I'm, I'm glad that was added. Yeah. Oh, tens a good round number, <laughs> but it, it, uh, it was, it's, it's, I think it's essential. And I should say that no one habit is better than another. We don't, we don't prioritize these. If, if I could, I could just read them so that we, so that the, our audience can hear what they are. There's yes, eat together, eat together, heal together, laugh together, learn together, love together, play together, read together, talk together, work together and give together. And these all happen within a family. You can, you, you, you just reading just taking time to read out loud to your children. If you have young children or even teenagers, I, I, I read the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy to my teenage kids and they, they loved it. It took us a year to go through it. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience in eating. You know, I, I, I totally believe that the family that eats together stays together. And that, that, that dinner table is like, is like the family boardroom. It's where decisions are made where 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 you get to discuss challenges and opportunities and and food has such a healing property to it and getting getting the family to cook together and sit down for a meal is is really a balm you know every single one has some element that will will aid a family in in their interest of being happy absolutely and so on the one of eating together. I know that there in our busy, busy world, there is a tendency for people to either eat in their bedrooms or eat in front of the TV or eat in the car, eat on the way to soccer practice. For what would you say for people who are struggling to find that time to sit down at the family dinner table and really connect? Well, I I would recommend that you create a habit. (laughs) (laughs) And and if you've and if you've 
not created that habit over many years and your family is used to taking their meals and fast food or taking it into their bedrooms and getting on their devices, well, there's an opportunity lost that you might need to get back. And it's going to take work. It, it, it takes a lot of work to develop a habit, right? Uh, no matter what the habit is, practicing the piano, it's an everyday thing. Okay. If you want to become good at a musical instrument, it's every day. If you want to become good at math, you have to do it every day. You know, it's just, yes, it's, it's a lot of work. So my recommendation is start slow. Pick one day a week that you say, as a family, we're going to pick Monday, just as an example, and we're going to have family dinner together, and we're going to make it together, and you involve everybody. What's your favorite recipe? What is your favorite thing to eat? Mine's fried chicken. I love spaghetti. I love roast beef, potatoes, and gravy. Okay. And uh, it can't be, you know, I want McDonald's. That, that doesn't count. Okay. So pick a recipe and then go get the food together and prepare it together. It's so many values happen there. People learn to shop, people learn to cook, people learn to, to, to communicate with each other. And uh, I've had people say, how come your kids, my kids were, my, my two twins, they were cooking their own eggs and stuff at, at four years old, right? They, they knew how to cook. And so just start small. Start small. Just, just have one meal a week. That's great. I love that. And so for all you listeners out there who might have not had a family dinner in a while, such sage advice, start small, pick one day, one meal, and make that filled with love and joy and connection. Great, great, because, you know, when you think about it, habits, we have them, whether we create them intentionally or by default. And so it is really about creating intentional habits that make us healthier human beings and thus Absolutely. supporting a healthy family. And I, I just add, if you, if you, if you need help, a familiar has a wonderful title called Eat, Laugh, Talk that provides you with recipes, games, and conversation starters so that you can start that one meal a week to help have your family get together. Listeners, I happen to have a copy of that book. I can vouch for it. It's a fabulous book. So thank you for that. And so let's, let me ask you another question. Some of the habits are more self-evident than others. I want to touch on two, love together. For a family that says, well, how can we love together? What does that mean, Christopher? Well, uh, love is a verb. We forget that it's a verb. It's to love. (laughs) How do you love? You know, people have different love languages, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. Michelle, my wife, she likes me to kiss her. And that's how I, I show love for her. I like her to scratch my back. That's one of the ways that I, that I, I feel love. Those are just two simple ways, right? But love is time. Mm. It's, it's what, what time can you give to another person to show your interest in that person? So if, say, for example, you have teenagers, and there can be really frustrating, right? We have a book called How to Hug a Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. And teenagers can be a little prickly like hedgehogs. So you should find out, what are they interested in? Maybe it is video games. Maybe you don't like video games. I don't like video games, but some of my kids like video games. Find out what are they interested in. Take time to learn about that. Take time to show interest. And, and when you do that, that's, that's loving them 
by sacrificing some of uh, time that you have to focus on them and they begin to trust you. And as they trust you, they start to share things with you that you might not have had otherwise and opportunities. And that bond then becomes stronger. You know, kids grow up. I have, I have adult children now. And while I'm still their father, my relationship, it does change, right? You don't, you no longer are telling them what to do. So their phone calls to me are more friendship phone calls. You know, they're mm. just talking together. And that's because we build a relationship with trust that was based on me trying to get to show I love them by spending time with them. You also can show love by creating parameters. You know, you know, great games, they all have limitations and rules that you have to apply to, to force creativity. Life is a little bit like a game. There are rules that we have to have. In a family, there can be rules. There can be parameters around us that, that keep us from making mistakes that are, can be detrimental to ourselves. And so you can show love to your family by also making sure that there are consistent families that are helpful. Oh, thank you for saying that. I think that's such an important piece, almost as if it should be its own. I know we don't need any more healthy habits here, but consistency, right, is such an important part of showing love. So beyond the place, you know, for those who know the five love languages that Christopher was talking about, they are language of touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, physical gifts, and of course, we should add this one formally, consistency, because consistency does bring that piece of safety, and safety builds trust. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing up the consistency piece. That's one of my favorite things. I plug consistency. <laughs> thank you. And so let me move to another one. When we talk about talking together, such an important piece. How can a family, especially in this day where we see toddlers on smartphones, right? And we see people sitting at a dinner table or at a table somewhere and they're, everybody's on their own phones, engaged in their own world, right? How might families who are struggling with this very common issue learn how to talk together? Yeah. So I think at first it's important so that people don't feel guilty if they have devices or if their children have devices because devices are an amoral technology. They they they're it's just how they're used, right? Exactly. And they can be used for great good and they can be used for not so great good. You know, as we said before, it's okay to have rules. Like a rule, so a rule that my family has, and no family has to have the same rules, right? My family has a rule that that until you go to college, you don't get a phone. And people say, well, how on earth do you get a hold of your kids? And I say, well, you know what? If my children need to call me, I say, turn to the person next to you and say, can I borrow your phone? <laughs> and it's always worked. But when they go to college, they have, they have a phone. So that's one rule. Another rule that we have is there are never any devices at the dinner table ever. Mm. And so that allows us to have eye contact and work together. A third one in terms of talking, and I think this is important, is um, we, call it, we call it family home evening. And that is that, that, and we do it usually more than once a week, but it used to be that we, don't, we would do it on, just on Monday night. And Monday night was an, a, a time that we 
put everything else aside. We got together as a family. We would play a game. Somebody might give a spiritual or motivational message. We'd sing songs. And it was an hour that we had focused on just being together. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're, you start talking. But there's so many little ways to, to talk, right? Playing games like board games, that, that creates a lot of opportunity to talk and you learn a lot about people. Okay, we have a great book called The Big Book of Family Games. And this book um, has no technology allowed. It's only paper and a pen or pencil. And it's all about getting to know each other. They're fascinating, really fun games. So if you want to talk, play a game. If you want to talk, put the devices away and sit and have an hour together. If you want to talk, take the devices away from the dinner table and just eat and chat about the day's the day's events. I can share with you that when I grew up and I was a teenager, I was a grumpy teenager, just like every other grumpy teenager. And I'd come home from school and I was irritated, testosterone, just all through my body. just wanted to, you know, kill people because with, with this <laughs> kitchen spoon and just so angry. And my mother would say, hey, why don't you just make yourself a sandwich? And she'd have, you know, some gourmet cheeses and luncheon meats. And as I made that sandwich, she would just sit there and just wait patiently. And as I made the sandwich, I started better. And as I started to feel better, I might say something that would lead her to start talking with me. And we would then have a conversation as I ate because, you know, remember, boys, they're always hungry and feed them. If you feed them, it'll solve 90% of all the irritation problems that you have. And that'll allow you to talk with them. So that's just some ideas. That's fabulous. And I go back to the piece you said a few minutes earlier where you said, if your child likes video games and you connect with them on a level, whether it's video games, basketball, drawing, whatever it is, and take an interest in what they're doing, sometimes just by you showing the interest builds that trust that then allows them to start sharing with you. Yeah, you you can't do it by just starting to interview them. You got to get into their world. Yeah, yeah. And that's an important piece, especially right now where so many children and of all ages are struggling with depression and anxiety and even suicidality. These habits that form connection and a safe place within the walls of the family, right? Within the walls of home. So important for us to do our best slowly but surely to make some of these habits come to life in our homes. This is true. I would share that if someone happens to have a spouse and in the spouses, I don't think you're listening. All we can say is you're, 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 that's probably true. I want you to know for those out, this people that have spouses aren't listening. We're really trying hard to listen. And sometimes we just don't get it all. It's okay to, it's okay to say things like I'm understanding that that this is what you said. No, that's not what I said. Okay, let me try again. It's okay to to reframe what's been said to you to make sure that communication is clear. And that allows for good communication. And talking is about time and love and communication and, and helping each other feel appreciated. And I love that, I mean, you must be a psychologist in another life because you just described what we therapists call reflective listening or mirroring. And that when you're connecting with someone, if you don't understand them, or even if you're completely in disagreement with what they're saying, 
that if you feed back to them what you heard or thought you heard and bracket your own opinions, that alone can be so connective because the person feels like they're looking at a mirror. Someone got them and the mirror neurons are on fire going, oh, I've been recognized. I've been valued. And so that back and forth can certainly deepen relationships. And, and of course, in the moment, it deepens the conversation. Right. And it just reminds me that another part of communication that I've learned is that when people start sharing with you their problems or their challenges, they're not necessarily asking you to solve them for them. They, they just want someone to listen. Isn't that the truth? In so many cases, we as parents and friends and partners want to bring in our toolkit to fix a situation. And sometimes the best thing we can do is leave our toolkit out the door and just say, here I am. What do you need? You know, what can I do for you? And one of my favorite quotes is, I, I just love this, just a tiny one. And she talks about, our listening creates a sanctuary for the homeless parts within another person. And I just find that such a beautiful quote because it it is a thing that we can do in our families when we're talking. We can also remember that we can be great listeners. And just by making our heart a safe place for someone to share their thoughts or worries or fears, what a good, what a good way of, of creating love and connection in a family that is. The listening piece. Yeah. Yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening. You did a great job. So let me think one more of these wonderful habits. I wish we had time to cover all 10, but okay. Heal together. Talk yeah. to me, please, about the importance of healing together. Do you mean giving other people, you know, in the family a Band-Aid on their owie? Well, it can be. That's important. That's, it's amazing to me how little children can feel completely better by going to their mother or father or older sibling and get a Band-Aid on a, on a little scratch. Oh, so true. And this is totally, all of a sudden I can hear some of my children coming in the house. It might get a little noisy. It gives a really you know, good framework for the podcast. We know there are children yeah, and how important it is just right. to love them no matter how much noise they're making. Right. I'm walking the walk, just not talking the talk. And I've got the, the kids. I got nine kids and it's I only have four left. Five of one of fledged, so only four. It's almost like no one's home anymore. So healing, you know, it, it's more than just a band-aid. So and it, it all comes back to love, really, because Mm -hmm. My and I can hear my twins arguing now. Um, my they're communicating. My, they're talking. They're, they're, they're doing they're, one they're, of the they're habits. They're communicating <laughs> really loud. My my faith teaches me that we should mourn with those who mourn, and we should work bear one another's burdens. Mm. And you know, for example, we all know people who have lost loved ones, and how how do you help heal that? I remember we have a wonderful book called um, On Loss and Living Onward by Melissa Dalton Bradford, who lost a son. Mm. And, and one of the things she says in there when, when someone you know who's lost a loved one is you show up and you shut up. Mm. <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can say that's going to make it any better, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's in a better place or it's, what a wonderful thing that you still have these children. I mean, you, you don't just show up 
and shut up. And that can, you know, help because someone needs help. Bring them a meal, okay? Go get a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and bring it over there, right? So healing and bearing one another's burdens. There's so many people who are discouraged, who have who have anxiety in some form or another or depressed. And you can't say to a depressed person, you know, don't be depressed. There's just mm -hmm. so much to be That doesn't work. Okay? What you can do is listen. You can serve. You can just be by their side. You can tell them that you love them. You can bake them cookies. You can take them to dinner. You can, there's just, there's no end to the things that you can do to help people. And that's healing, right? You know, visiting, go, go visit, go visit people in the hospital. <laughs> you know, find a way, go about doing good. And that's healing. So well said. And you're right. Doing good is so healing to our souls as well as to other people and of course to the energy around us and you know, i'm going to go back to the piece where you talked about it was one of my first lessons in psychology that often when that child falls off the bike we are accustomed to saying oh don't cry don't cry let's get you up and get you on your way and i a wise person said no what you want to do is say ah you're sad let me hold you not don't cry, let me hold you. And then you go and get that Band-Aid, even if there's no sign of a scratch, right? And you put the Band-Aid on and that act of love, that silent act of, I see you, I'm healing you, sometimes is so connective because it's saying, I see you, I see you're sad, let me give you a Band-Aid. And when we show up for our friends and are just present, it's almost that same energy of just showing up and saying, I am here and I am here. I don't necessarily need to do anything or give you a physical fix. Although sometimes, like you said, baking the cookies, lighting a candle, giving a gift, showing up at the hospital speaks volumes because as you said earlier, love is, you know, it's a verb. Love is an action word. And when we show our love, not just say we love you, but show we love you, it's just the best thing in the world for the, for the body, mind, and soul. And I, I, I totally agree with you. Again, it comes back to love, right? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've learned love your neighbor. But actually, it was, there was a great story I have. Well, I think it's a great story. I, a neighbor and I had a big argument. It was about our two older boys. And, and it was lasting weeks. And, and one of us was the immovable object. And one of us was the irresistible force. And the whole neighborhood was watching this. And, and uh, I was on a business trip. And and I was driving and, and I saw this billboard and it, and it, it said, and I, was th I was thinking about this problem, right? As I saw this billboard, the billboard said, that part about love your neighbor, I meant that, Jesus. Ah. <laughs> and I thought, ah. oh my gosh. And so, you know, I, I drove, I got off playing, drove home. I was at a gas station and it, wouldn't you know it, I mean, karma, kismet, I, I drive in to fill up my gas tank and all of a sudden he does the same thing. We're there looking at each other. He comes over and we both say, I love you. I'm sorry, oh. right? And so, you know, I, I, the thing I'd add is, is forgiveness. You know, sometimes we think that forgiveness is healing other people. 
maybe. Forgiveness heals us. And we've all had pain. You know, I, I've had people wrong me in my life. And, and people have done mean things to me. And people have done mean things to you. And people have done mean things to, and we've done mean things to other people. And sometimes I'm successful at this and sometimes I'm not, I'm working on it. But I can tell you that when we forgive, we heal. That, that is truth. So if you want to heal together, learn to forgive each other and move on. Such a beautiful reminder. And listeners, sometimes people think that forgiveness means that you're opening yourself up to being harmed to a future event, right? That if you forgive someone, they can come and hurt you again. And that's not what forgiveness asks of us. Forgiveness asks of us to, to let go Keep a good boundary, maybe set a new boundary, but to let go of the resentment, let go of the pain, because when we hold resentment and pain in our own hearts, of course, it's toxic for us. So best off forgiving. And then if you need a healthy boundary, set that healthy boundary so that that person can't come and inflict something again. So, but forgiveness is one of the best tools. I, I absolutely agree with you. Otherwise we're carrying that poison within our own spirits and sending it outward. So thank you. Thank you. Good reminder about the power of forgiveness. Um, and you're right. It's life-changing when you learn to forgive. You just, you feel so much lighter and you bring more lightness into your world. So I love your story about you and the neighbor. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> so Christopher, I could talk all day to you, as you know, but maybe any other pointers you'd like to share? One, two, three more pieces you'd like to share with our listeners today. Yeah, let me bring up work. You know, I... I some of my best lessons were working. I, I had a, my parents divorced when I was five years old and I had a great stepfather and had a great stepmother blessed to have, you know, two sets of parents. And I remember working, you know, beside my father and also my stepfather, uh, depending upon the day. And it, we no matter what it was working, there were lessons taught and opportunities to, to, to talk and to learn and to and to trust and to love. And so I think sometimes we're afraid to get our hands dirty and, and have our have our families work beside us. Work is a work is a great opportunity, no matter what it is, we're doing the dishes together, uh, building the fence, cleaning the garage, you know. It's often we we tell our kids to go do something, go clean your room, you know, go do the dishes, go mow the lawn you'll find better opportunities and, and better productivity if you'll go do it with them. And in doing that, again, you're investing time, showing love, building a relationship of trust, and using that work together as an opportunity to get to know another person. So, I mean, all these things wrap up into the same stuff, right? It's all about, you know, it's all about time, all about, all about love. And I guess I, in closing, I would say, you know, no matter where you are in your family, all these habits are some, you're already doing some of them. Okay. Just decide if you want to increase the frequency of that habit. And as you increase the frequency appropriately, you may find that you're happy. Your family has a little bit more joy. And, uh, and if there's one you want to add, well, maybe there's something with familiar that we can do to help you add that. 
but we hope that you'll we hope that your family is happy and uh, even in moments of sadness so take advantage of the opportunities that exist in the world and remember life is not just to be endured it's supposed to be enjoyed let's do our best to enjoy it absolutely i love the joy the joy piece thank you and just one piece on the the part about work that i really love and and want to emphasize is so often as you said we say you know go rake the leaves go mow the lawn um go do this right and when we join with that person we can also make it fun and that's work can all we can usually find some amount of play in work and i think that that's a fabulous way to look at it you know parents if you're listening when you join with a child in sweeping the floor or folding the clothes or picking up their room and making it a game and making it fun you accomplish the same task but you accomplish it with joy and connection and little changes slowly over time, Christopher, as you said, make a huge difference in the long run. So thank you so much, Christopher Robbins, for sharing such beautiful time with me today and with us. It has been such a pleasure. Where can our listeners find you? Well, the best place to find me is on the Familias website, which is familias.com. And if you wanted to go to the 10 Habits of Happy Families, you can just go to familias.com forward slash habit hyphen hub. And uh, if you just go to familias.com, you can navigate right to the Habit Hub, which is where we find our, our articles about in the 10 Habits of Happy Families. So that's where you'll find me and our story and what we're trying to do in the world. Wonderful. And one question for you, just so readers know you a little bit more. Do you happen to like Kentucky Fried Chicken? I do. I, 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 you know, the very first, I grew up in Holiday, Utah, which is a, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And the very first Kentucky Fried Chicken in the world was right there in Sugar House. And, uh, and I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so we knew about Kentucky Fried Chicken, but I love fried chicken. My wife hates fried chicken. She hates it if I make fried chicken because she says it's messy. Well, of course it's messy, but I mean, it's so good but i only only make it haven't made a couple times a year but i, I do like i like fried chicken <laughs> you did you mentioned it a couple times during the podcast so i thought <laughs> I'd, I'd ask you about that good news is for all of you vegetarians and vegans out there i read an article that said kentucky fried chicken who is not sponsoring this podcast but maybe they should is coming out with a vegetarian or vegan option quite soon <laughs> There you go. But I, you know, I am an 80% plant-based diet. So eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And, uh, and there, well, now you can get that need met at your local <laughs> KFC. So <laughs> and as right. we conclude today's podcast, I would like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It has been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. Mm -hmm.